The season's over. I guess we've only got one option then. Well, it's a show that's coming a week later than we might have expected and two weeks later than we would have hoped. Welcome to the Brisbane Football Review, end of season review, episode one. It's James Scott and Adam with you as per usual for the Daily Football Show Fan Network. And we've got a f- fourth person in today, Angela. Welcome back. Hello, guys. Thanks for having me back. Have you recovered from your Commonwealth Games exertions? No. <laughs> <laughs> that, that explains it the gigantic on. coffee cup you've got on the table right now. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're here in our outdoor studio to look back at the elimination final loss to Melbourne City, and we're going to start going over the season in general, plus talk about the Matildas, NPL, and pretty much any other news stories that decide to break this morning. So, what do you say we get into this? Scott? Why not? <laughs> we have, You're awake? <laughs> we got to talk about this at some stage, don't we, I guess? But... Yeah, so the Raw season ended at Amy Park on Friday night with a 2-0 loss to Melbourne City. As we said last week, it was a big ask to get them to go down and back up after what was a pretty draining effort to just get into the finals in the first place. Adam, what was your first take on the game? Look, I think it probably went the way we thought it would at the end of the day. I think Melbourne City served, you know, I think they seemed to want it more. Um, I'm a, bit, a little critical about the way um, the Raw sort of set up. I think, I think General Woodsy was trying to set up sort of that, that smash and grab style of winning. You probably can't blame him on that. But I think they went a little too defensively, and they sort of. And actually, I think they actually quite fortunately still be nil all half time. Yeah, for me, the way they set up was very much, I suppose, as expected. It was the sit back. We're going to try and get them on the counter attack and hope for the best. But it didn't really work out, did it? They sat deeper than they normally have in the last couple of weeks, though. I mean, against Perth the week before, they played a bit more expensive football than that. I just thought they were completely flat. They're a side who put all their effort in getting into the top six, and they just fell flat. And I don't think any of them played particularly well in the first half. No, I don't think so either, which, you know, meant they might have been quite fortunate to get there at half-time. But when you set up that way to try and, I suppose, do the smash and grab, as you put it, Scott, you could have taken a little bit of encouragement out of that going, well, they couldn't... There was only up to go, I suppose. Well, considering I haven't actually watched the match, (laughs) I'm just going off base on what everyone else said and reading a bunch of reports, but... Just seeing that the way Raw have set up with the A-League, everything that's on the website there, that was the only way that they really could, I guess, yes. do anything. Yeah. They had no other choice. They knew that their attacking style wasn't going to be able to beat a Melbourne City defence. So there's only one way they could set up, and they just hoped for the best, put all the eggs in one basket, and that's, I guess, all we could ask for them to do. They were lucky to make the top six in the end at the end of the day, and they, while some of the stats in the game were not favourable for us, but that's the way we set up and that's what was going to be the end result. And I believe you're the one that actually said this a couple of months ago, Adam, where, you know, if the Socceroos set up and progress through to the World Cup knockout stages playing that style of football, the complaint, complaints won't be as loud. 
Yeah, look, it's and and in a way, look, I I honestly think that you know as far as any sort of you know offensive assault early, I think that that um, went out the window when Brett Holman was ruled out. I think yeah. that uh, it was really go go remember as well the injury list had almost caught up to him again where it was a bare bone sign that they could only like they could only do what the resources they have yeah. on the pitch, and I think the only way they could have actually envisioned playing that was sit back. Mm-hmm. And then try and hit him on the counter, and you know, hope for a hope for you know, a set piece or, or whatnot, and it just it just didn't happen. Yeah, Melbourne City were like to their credit quite good at snuffing out any of the Raw's chances when they did try and hit them on the break. They were on right from minute one, actually, Melbourne City. Yeah, they were really good, and they just they suffocated the Raw in the first half. Pressure with the ball and without it, they were really impressive in the first half. And it is worth pointing out as well, like the Raw did have a makeshift centre-back pairing once again that they probably did have to protect as well. Yeah, it's quite interesting. Well, yeah, anyone that you... If you don't have your regular centre-backs, you're just going to have to make do, and obviously there's going to be problems with communication between the two and trying to sort that out, so I can't blame them for anything that happened during the game. If you've never played as a, if you've never played as a centre-pairing before... It's not going to always work out the best. You can be the best defensive player in the world and be put in there and not know what to do. I don't, I don't think anyone would envisage that in a semi-final that you have Conor O'Toole and Jacob Pepper as, as your centre-backs. You know, if you sort of yeah. said that back in September, you would have laughed. And look, well, four centre-backs were injured yeah. twice this year now. All four of them injured at the same time twice. That's... That's unbelievable. That's, yeah, that is. And to their credit, though, I thought Conor O'Toole actually came up with a couple of huge yep. interventions in that first half as yeah. well. And while I wouldn't want to see him there for a whole <laughs> season, he did look like quite capable there as a two-week fill-in. Yeah, I, I think know. he's. I think he did quite well actually. It's a, I don't know if he's ever played centre back before, but he's act, he's one defender who's really really done well, and I think. I think those I performances think, have been yes. rewarded as we we'll yeah, get to. They've in been the rewarded, season. and I think he's going to yes. play a different position next year. I don't think he'll be at centre back, but. Well, based on a four-four-two <laughs> yeah. story after the game, I yeah. think there's going to be a position to be filled. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, we'll get on to the second half now. The first goal uh, for Mork after a slip from Jack Hingett on the right. I don't know if it was that cold in Melbourne, but it kind of looked like players from both sides were playing Can on we an stop ice skating. Blaming route. Hingett solely for the goal, though. Please, yep. I mean, yes, he slipped and gave the ball away, but. He didn't leave a man unmarked in the six-yard box. It was pro- There's it was pro- other people at fault for that goal as well. It was probably the second most costly slip after Steven Gerrard. There are no look, Liverpool look, fans look. here, though, to rile up. There might be a few listening, so... Huh. So they'll all be happy um, after this morning anyway. Yeah, that's right. But, but look, but to your point, Scott, that's, that's actually yeah. right. You know, look, that, that goal, that finish from Stefan Mork was, was pretty good. No, yeah. I think, you know what, if you take apart the whole... You know, Hingit yeah. losing the ball. He still had a lot to do. So that, that's actually, you know, a decent goal. And it was, like, one of those finishes we've seen more come up with a few times as well. So, yeah. He's yeah. got a few against Brisbane, actually. Yeah. Can we get him to not play next time? <laughs> <laughs> well, well his, uh, yeah, good luck playing against Queensland. Side sort of started in that FFA Cup round of 32 yeah, game probably, against Penn yeah, Power. Exactly, yeah. When he scored and from memory actually got knocked out very... He did, Yeah, yes. by the go- goalkeeper. Yeah. So, yeah, I... I think he might enjoy playing Queensland sides. <laughs> anyway, the Raw then, you know, obviously were had to come out of their shell because losing 1-0 wasn't going to do them any favours. Mm-hmm. And they did they, did their best to try and create a couple of chances. Macaroni had a couple, but mm. they just didn't have that Yeah, that one chance who just wouldn't shoot from the edge of the box. That was crazy. But the best chance was actually from a corner with Ben Calfell over the cross in. I forget who got on the end of it. Was no, it, it was Mac- Macaroni's head. Macaroni got on the end of it, yeah. Wide. Yeah. That was probably the best chance the Raw had in the whole game. They did have their chances, but it is the downside of setting up to hit them on the counter-attack that way, where 
you know, you might only get three chances, so you've got to bury yeah. one. Whereas I haven't got the numbers in front of me at the moment, but you would assume Melbourne City were in what the twenties. Yeah, yeah, you would assume so. Yeah, so you've got to make those chances count, and unfortunately, the rule couldn't. And as the game went on, you could see that press forward of having to, you know, go on the long sprints. It really did start to take, like, take the legs out of what is, as we know, an older yeah. raw side. It's also hard considering that the people we the forwards that we did line up with haven't got the best shooting accuracy from yeah. the from the season. Like to have three shots and expect um, someone to actually score was a big ask for anyone in that raw side. Considering that Macaroni hasn't had the best accuracy all season. And the one no goals in ten now, I think it is. And the one point I will make, where you know a lot of, well, I'm seeing a few sort of, oh, if we had McLaren, he would have scored one of those chances. I, I know that. Yeah, he <laughs> he was. Uh, I'd say fairly wasteful at times as well last year. So it, it's just football. Melbourne City were the better side of the night. and They deserve it, to go through. Yeah, exactly. And they got a late goal as the rule was starting to push forward where it kind of seemed like they just didn't have the legs they to get back. They were on their feet by that point. Yes. They were completely gone at that point. But I yeah. was very interested about the substitutions though because there were a couple of um, bizarre moves yes, in my mind. I don't, I don't get it. I mean... That game was crying out for an X Factor, and I know he's young and hasn't got much experience, but Akbari, that was screaming out for him. I know you've got to bring Gamero on that 1-0 down, because that's the one logical attacking move you have, but I don't get bringing on Oxborough. Yeah. I don't get that. I think Corey Brown was more an injury force change, but the Oxborough... I suppose Oxborough doesn't matter anyway at 2-0 yeah. in the 93rd minute, but... But where yeah, it, was, the, it, was almost, yeah. it was almost a concession that you know what it's lost. You know, let's not let's not get beat three four nil, which at this stage who cares? You know, and, and, and elimination semi final. But there, I I look, I, I agree. When, when we're watching it, you sent you tweet out, you know, bring Ox, uh, bring Akbari on, yeah. and yeah, and that's uh, it's a shame. But look, the game was crying out for yeah. the X factor because we were something. at the Pig and Whistle. Adam Scott and I we were at the Pig and Whistle yeah. with the Raw Supporters Federation yeah. event, and that was. Yeah. Yeah, like, you could... Everyone around us was sort of saying, why not just throw on Akbari? Yeah. I mean, yeah. what's the worst that can happen? I mean, yeah. you ne- you only had two out-and-out attacking options on the bench in Gramiro and Akbari, yeah. and you needed a goal. I think the decision ended up coming when, if they weren't going to win, Akbari would have to play the game the next day in the MPL, and I think that's what they wanted to save him for against Western Pride. I think the decision was made, like, oh, we're going to lose 1-0... Let's just not put him in, in there and put him in the MPL side tomorrow and hope that he can get a win there against Western Pride. I think that's what the decision came down to. Probably not the best decision. Yeah, we'll get but to that. It didn't work yeah. either. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work. But that's, I think that's why that ended up happening in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I, look, I'm going to... I've got I just got this gut feeling that it keeps eating away at me. I wonder that out of the available players, how many of them did Aloisi truly trust? Yeah. Because we've seen him, I suppose, hesitant to make change, whether it's through health or just tactical concerns. I'm left to wonder, did he only have 11, maybe 12 guys that he trusted to come, to go on and follow instructions by the end of the game? I think that's... You should actually, as a coach, have 15 players you could trust to go on that field that can do the job. But with the raw side we have, I think there's probably 11 at max. Yes. Starting 11, that's yeah. all we could trust to go on the field and do the job. That's just totally my... You I wouldn't know, be surprised if that's it. accurate either. I yeah. Just based on how late has been leaving substitutions the last few weeks, that would probably be accurate. You, you look at you look at someone like you look at say, say Sydney FC as well, how Graham Arnold does it. You know, like I said, he he, he does have 
14 plus a reserve goalkeeper that he can trust and he uses them you know as part of it whereas it seemed though especially late in the season where General Wissey is only really bringing players on either out of necessity because of injury or in the 80th minute where you know either the result is settled or you know you need that reinforcement yeah. so look I think it's a perfectly valid theory where whether it's true or not is you know, it's, it's open interpretation, but it's certainly you can ask way. him, James, if you get to talk to him. <laughs> well, I would. Um, so, what you're saying from that, and my big takeaway there is when Graham Arnold takes over as soccer as coach, David Carney's going to be a super sub. And Matt Simon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Heaven help us all. Alright, so a couple of stats, well, a big stat there. First time since November 2015 with no shots on target. I'm trying to remember who that game was against. Oh, that's a really long time yeah. ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a very long time ago. I probably gets like Melbourne City or something like that, where or or, or going to Wellington or something like that, where it just played awful. But November 2015 would have been um that was Alice's least... first season. Yeah. yeah. So if you guys keep talking for a second, <laughs> you're <laughs> you're gonna gonna we have this thing called the internet now. Ah. So we'll we'll, we'll well. move on and talk about Corey Brown then getting yeah. his a rare appearance off, which we talked about last week, Adam. Yeah. About how he's destined never to play again, and two days later is. On the bench and get to... I was okay. So, in Aloise, he's listening, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a surprise, because I always thought that, you know, if, well... If, what's that say about Dane Ingham? And now, as yeah. far as, you know, his, you know, Aloise's trust for him, because if, if if Brown was in the doghouse as much as we, we thought he was, and now he's going to sign and whatnot for Melbourne Victory, you thought that, you know, Dane Ingham might have been, and might have been an opportunity, but to see Corey Brown actually named first on the on the bench was a big surprise, but then actually get on the pitch was an even bigger surprise. I'm going to say too much about this. I don't believe the. Re- I, I I don't know what to believe. If he's going yeah. to Melbourne, if he's going to Melbourne Victory, yeah, sure. I don't think John Alisi can put him in the doghouse for wanting to leave the club and going to explore different options. And hey, Melbourne Victory might be raw two point but <laughs> might be. Yeah, it is two point isn't it? I just. I just don't understand why everything's happened with Corey and why yeah. we'd leave him out, considering he's one of the better defenders we've had come through the ranks. And look, in all seriousness, look, I absolutely agree with you that it's you know, whether he want, he has ambitions to play or all that. Yeah, look, it's, it's got to be more than just yeah. oh, he's going to go and sign. I don't think in this day and age that you know, especially in the A League where you have limited squads, that you can be so petty and say, you know what, you may be fit, but we're not going to play because you're you're going to move the end of the season. Like, it, it's got to be more than this that. Has to be way more it's a massive fall though because he was a Gary Wilkins a year that's, ago and that's now what he I mean, can't get a game. I don't know whether they're up with Dane Ingham either. So he's not playing in either MPL or A-League at the moment. Just a quick uh, throwback there. The only game that uh, I can think of it being was Friday, November 6, 2015, Sydney FC versus Brisbane Raw. And I know why I don't remember that game. I was in Fiji at the time. Was <laughs> <laughs> this a nil-all game or something? Yes, nil-all okay. uh, Friday night showpiece event between Sydney and Brisbane. <laughs> anyway, so I just wanted to get that there. As for Corey Brown, yeah, it's very... It's a bit sad to see his time at the Raw end that way, but look, he's... Yeah. He got I, I, a farewell present. He did. Uh, the other game this weekend, Melbourne Victory versus Adelaide. All I want to no say on this cares. game is Bessart Barisha. Holy... Yeah. yeah. I still yeah. haven't watched the goal. What is wrong with me? <laughs> no, right. big, it is a great big, goal. Big game, Bess. That's yeah. what I say. So, uh, quick story. So, I did a race event on Sunday at UQ. Went out to get Nando's for dinner as my reward, and... I'm just tracking the game on Twitter, and all I see is Barisha, Barisha, Barisha. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks to the streaming delay, I was able to get onto uh, Foxtel Go or whatever it's called now on my phone, watch the goal, and very nearly swore it. <laughs> <laughs> 
think it's eight straight finals now with the Golds. To your point, I mean, this big game for injuries is just yeah. unbelievable in finals. Yeah, the funny, the funny thing is it was his last kick because uh, Kenny Atthew was about to come on. So, <laughs> so he knows to pick his moments. Well, I think it was... Well, I said this to you two, is, you know, all I think of when Barisha scores is I get that Jim Nance commentary from Tiger Woods in the Masters in, like, 2009 where he just goes, expect anything different. And honestly, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Not in finals, no. So this weekend coming up, we've got Newcastle, Melbourne City, Friday night in what is probably going to be a sold-out McDonald Jones yeah, Stadium. You'd hope so. And a Sky... Oh, no, not, not a Sky Blue Derby. A uh, the next Big week. Blue. <laughs> Sydney versus Melbourne City. And I can honestly see each of these games going either way, except for Sydney. <laughs> I'm going to say, serious? <laughs> I, actually, I actually give victory hope. I think... Um, if, if what, can, no hope? <laughs> I actually think the victory could go go to Allianz and actually pinch this one. I think if they get if they get out early, Sydney Sydney are known slow starters. If they can you know, get a lead and hold on, but unfortunate form doesn't also read very well, especially from two weeks ago. So look, you they never are know. well rested though, Sydney. I think they'll be fine. I, don't, I think Melbourne City might get Newcastle though. I do expect someone to be sent off at least once this weekend. And oh, I'm looking forward Simon, to that. Bad Simon, bad Simon, bad <laughs> Simon. <laughs> Whether that be a coach. Or well, a player. Work too. I can see you getting up to that stage. <laughs> yeah. I'm just looking this up. So it is eight matches without a loss for Sydney FC in 90 minutes. Oh dear. So against <laughs> Melbourne victory. So it's six after loss, does that include draws? Yeah. So obvi- so the draw mm. includes um, the last year's grand final, which is drawn okay. after yeah. 90 minutes. Yeah. I don't. I don't think Melbourne victory have beaten Sydney FC since that grand final. I've oh. got a feeling that's the the two the uh was it 2015 16, yeah. I think that'd be about nine games, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's about, about right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just run with that yeah. anyway. I know they've lost all three games this season mm. to them, but yeah. So it's not exactly encouraging for Melbourne victory, but I think if we're learning anything from last year's grand final, is they need to get out to more than a one goal lead <laughs> <laughs> or two. In yeah. Graham Arnold's case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. you <laughs> well played. All right, look, I don't think we're going to get uh, any better for this segment, so we're going to take a break and come back and talk about the Matildas. This is the Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back, back after Brisbane this. Football Review. It's James Scott, Adam and Angela with you for the Daily Football Show Fan Network. And we're going to talk about the Matildas for segment two. So, Angela, let you lead off and tell us what happened. So, let's just start off with all the news first. And that was that the Matildas lost the Asian Cup to Japan in um, the final with a 1-0 scoreline. Matildas played the best game of the Asian Cup, but couldn't overcome a brilliant strike from Japan. It was absolutely phenomenal. And there was no way that Lydia Williams was going to stop it. But let's just say that Asian Cup is over and they look to the World Cup in 2019 and possibly a Tournament of Nations in July. Yeah, so if the Matildas are going to complete their treble, we were talking about this before, they're just going to have to do the Asian Cup on the back end of that treble. Yeah, we're just going to have to wait a few, four more years. <laughs> ah, that's fine. We've got a, Football fans are patient, right? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> have you not seen soccer Twitter? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> no, I've never been on there and deliberately riled up some of the uh, more sensitive version yes. on there. <laughs> All right, so... It was strong as possible 11 for the Matildas, pretty much. 
I think playing against Japan, that was a possible... Yeah. Uh, with the exception of Caitlin Four missing out yeah. for injury. No, I think that that was the Katrina only... Gori. Strongest available. Yeah. Strongest available. And Katrina yeah. Gori. Yeah, but Katrina, Katrina Gori wasn't having the best yeah. tournament of her life, so yeah. I can see why Smicker Butt was put was inside. Form yeah. yeah. But with the form we had with the side, with everyone available, I think that was the best starting eleven we could put out on the field. And there was a penalty early on. Yeah, let's just say that penalties? I have a big question of why KK took the penalty. Kelman Knight. Yeah, Kelman Knight took yeah. the penalty and not a forward and not a striker because the job of a striker is to score goals. And if none of the, if Ivana Lagaza or Kerr didn't step up and say, say I want to take it and KK was forced yeah, to take it, I don't know why. Because Kerr scored the winning penalty in the semi-final, yeah. so it was a wide decision. It wasn't a good penalty either. Could it have just been a confidence thing? I don't know. KK's never has scored one goal before for the Matildas. <laughs> and it could have come down the confidence that KK's like, oh, yep, I'll take it. I'm going to step up and do this. But I don't think it should ever get to the stage where you should be doing that as a midfielder. It should be your forward to step up and take that penalty for 100%. Seems got a touch of England about it though with penalties in yeah. after Rio 2016 and hey, also that referee cheated in Rio. Those views are the person who said them, not those of the Brisbane Football Review. Yeah, sorry. Find, we specifically agree with them. <laughs> but yeah, the penalty thing's weird though. Like you've got probably the most informed striker in the world. Why isn't she taking it? I just keep going back to that. I it's, a, it's an on-field decision as well, I think. I, I don't think Starcher any input. If people if people have been blaming Starcher, why would you make KK take? I don't think he has any input into what happens on the field. I think when you have a penalty, it's like, yeah, it goes to the person who wants it. And sure, they have set takers though. Does Kellen Knight take? I, no, if, um, Emily Van Egmond takes it for Australia oh, usually, okay. and she had missed it a few days ago. Yeah, I think that's why she's at the side, but. And could well, I'm just again going to speculate and go out on a tangent here? Could it have been a case of like the. Uh, Van Egmond said, no, I'm not game for this. And Kellen Knight was just the one that stepped up and said, all right, well, I'm next. In and I think that's totally what happened. And I don't think that should be the... I, if Emily set aside, fair enough. She's not confident in taking it. We want someone who's confident in taking a penalty. But then it should have been up to the person who actually scored a goal in that semi-final against Thailand to have stepped up and took took one. Fair call. Yeah. So it was an open game for the rest of the first half. Both teams were really going at it. And... I've watched the highlights of this, and it seemed like both teams weren't, didn't have that approach of, uh, we're a little bit worried of losing this. They very much said, no, nah, let's just go out, take the game by the scruff of the neck, and win it. Yeah, it was a very attack money, particularly for Australia, that had so many chances to win the game. I mean, a lot of people are focused on the penalty, save, miss, whatever you want to call it, as the reason, but I think Wintel's had enough chances to win this game anyway. Some unbelievable yeah. saves from yeah. the Japanese keeper as well. You think on any other day, it could have been 2 yeah. three, four nils. So, so, look, maybe yeah. it's the, the day, you know, the football god said, no, nah, it's not not Wintel's yeah. day, unfortunately. It's very reminiscent of another Asian Cup farm between Australia and Japan mm. in the Middle East, oh. unfortunately. I, I'm having a bad week for opposing goalkeepers just <laughs> pulling saves out of nowhere. <laughs> between the Matildas and the Bruins in the ice hockey, it's just, it hasn't been a good week, it's all right? ice hockey, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so Australia, they're in control for much of the second half. Lots of crosses with nobody on the end of them. And that's kind of been a running theme throughout the whole entire tournament. I don't know if it's just because of the way we're playing the front three or if they just weren't up to it on the day. But the crosses were there to take and they weren't just, no one was there to put them in the goal. I think I think it's something um, Alan Sage touched on 
in the post-game um, presser, he did say that that was something they really need to work on when they're going through review in the next couple of months. Well, speaking of that review, one thing I'm curious about is with all of the chopping and changing throughout the tournament, could it have been possible that the Matildas just weren't able to get on the same page and gel? This is a this is a question I've I've been asked a few times of why it's happened. Oh, I but... thought it was a unique. <laughs> it's it's um when you look at the squad. Let's go back to tournament of nations last year. Twenty two different players were using that tournament of nations win in those cross those three games. It's something that has been put in place since Tommy Sinarani came in with the Matildas. But eight years when when we first had him in during the World Cup in 2007 in China. It's just chopping and changing is something that the Matildas do and do good. All these players who are in that squad, 14 of them actually played with each other in 2014 um, in that final against Japan. And the question is, if the chopping and changing shouldn't change anything. They've played together for so many years. Majority of the team, except I think for the exception of Casey Dumont and Arvi Lewick, haven't played together from like the last 12 months, but everyone else has played together. They've been in camp for a long time, so it's yeah. the Algarve Cup just before it as well. And I don't think chopping and changing has anything to do with it. I think just players just weren't playing for well. My, for my mind, the, I think the one unique thing about the Matildas is that you can almost have that, you know, two two players for every position, and yep. not just one player, Signore playing one player, flinging. Like they're two equally interchangeable players. And I think it's something that it will either work for you or work it works sort of sometimes against you. And it's just, I think, I think that's something that you know, eventually will, will pay dividends on. It's just, I, I guess, you know, we always said. People in this made now the conditions in Jordan, you know, it's not the it's not the greatest place to play football. And like I said, it just it comes down to, you know, rotten luck where as I said, any other day, that could have been three, four nil by half time. So it's just one of those things to say, oh well, you know, you move on. But um I, I think I think there's a lot of positive you can take out of other than not lifting the trophy. You mentioned vers- you mentioned two players that are positions, also versatility as well in this squad. A lot of players can play multiple different positions mm. in that squad as well. And it's also like you talk to players, like especially Claire Polkingon, who's had to really step up her game to be able to have a starting eleven spot in the Matildas, and it's really paid dividends for the team and for Brisbane Raw, as we've seen in the past W League season, that her game has been taken to another level because she wants to be in that starting eleven spot. Yeah. All right. So we know uh, Kumi Yokoyama scored the winning goal. It was a great finish. Mm. So, yeah, c- congratulations to Japan. That's all I'm really going to leave it at. <laughs> so, quick uh, recap. Final thoughts on the tournament. Was it a success? Uh, well, they did go there with high expectations to win the tournament. So, on that hand, no. But they did make the final. I think they they didn't play the greatest during the tournament as well. I think I didn't see the Vietnam games because it was Commonwealth Games. But all the other games I saw, they kind of got a bit lucky, I think. I think yeah. the Japan game, they were lucky to still be in the tournament the first time with the like, equaliser. The Thailand game, they, they should have lost that game, really. But the Japan game, they played really well in the final. So I think there's positives you can take out of it at this point. But when you they, they did go there with very high expectations this side. Uh, I th- sorry to interject. I think the one major positive is that they qualify for the World Cup. Yeah. Yep. That's because not without that, this would have been a stone-cold disaster. Yeah. So, look, yeah, yeah, look, I also want to say that you know we, we as a sporting public should be expecting Matildas to win and you know, win these sort of tournaments. Yeah. But... The primary objective was to qualify for the World Cup. That was achieved. Anything after that, well, you know what? It's it's in it's down in the history books. And the fact that they qualified for the World Cup makes it for me a pass. Yeah. But mm. I'm actually kind of happy that I'm a little bit disappointed they didn't win because yeah. it's good to have those sorts of expectations for them, where you see what they're capable of. And yeah, I don't know. That's just 
where I kind of come down on it. Yeah, the expectations for them to win were quite high. And I think a lot of people forget that the Asian Cup has a lot of emerging football nations that are really good. I think a lot of people dismiss Thailand when Matilda's beat them 5-0 in Perth. And I think the girls and Stayish themselves have never dismissed any team in Asia. They've never said that they were going to win it easily. They said that they're going to win. And that's what a team should be doing. You don't go to a tournament to lose. (laughs) You go to a tournament to lift a trophy. And they went there with the high expectations on themselves to lift that trophy. They didn't. They're going to be disappointed in themselves. They're going to go back and look at what they can do. And that's only the that's a positive we can take out of this. We can take a positive out of the Thailand game that those girls fought until the end yeah. to make sure that they were going to go through that final. That's one positive that a lot of teams don't have is fighting until the end. They can take positives from the game in against South South Korea, where even though they didn't score, they played a different type yeah. type of football that the Matildas have struggled against against Japan. That you have to take your chances, and they didn't. And these all these things are something that we can take to the World Cup in France, and we have a year to do that, and that's the positive to come out of this. A year to work out how to break down teams from park the bus. Yeah, yeah basically. pretty much. Well, that answers my next yeah. question then, is what's the one thing they've got to, I suppose, improve yeah. on as a team? And yeah. there we go, you've heard it from Scott. <laughs> like I said, as a, as a top you know, five, six team in the world, like I said, they're going to they're gonna run to occasions where... Play, where other teams that are sort of, I guess, on paper lesser are going to play a defensive style, and that's the one thing the tools need to now figure out is yeah. how to beat that. And just started the Algarve Cup as well. I saw teams play more defensively yeah. against them, and South Korea obviously took that tactic and was successful for them in the group stage. And it's a sign of respect that Matildas are yeah. getting yeah. now, where it's okay, hang on, we can't actually just go out and play our game against Australia. We've got to try and disrupt their yeah, game. We've got to put them off. All right, that's going to be it for segment two of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott, Adam and Angela with you this morning, actually, for our earliest recording, I think. No, it's afternoon now. now. (laughs) (laughs) That's staying in. Keep going. You guys are hopeless. It's morning somewhere (laughs) in Australia. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Now my iPad's being a little bit difficult. So, Scott, why don't you yes. take us through the NPL results? <laughs> All right, so I'll start off with the NPL scores. Uh, Western Pride beat the Royal Youth 6-1. Lions 3-0 over Cairns. Uh, nil all draw between South West Queensland and Sunshine Coast. Uh, Mackay came back from... three. Who? Mackay, and which Sunday's Magpies, Crash United FC, <laughs> came back from the 3-0 down to beat uh, Redlands 5-3. Morton Bay beat Gold Coast 4-1. And on Sunday, City beat... North Queensland 4 0 on the road, while the Strikers beat Olympic 1 0. Now, you two were actually, and, and I say you two, I'm pointing to Scott and Adam here because yeah. I just realised. <laughs> There's three people this week. Yeah, yeah, and it's also an audio medium, so yeah. visual cues don't really work. <laughs> Olympic versus Brisbane Strikers. You t- uh, Scott and Adam were there. Yep. What happened? Oh, look, it was a, um, <laughs> it, look, it was a high quality game. Um, with, with sort of both teams, you know, very, very even, limited chances, and it, one goal yeah. pretty much decided. Yeah, it was one slip-up from Matt Mundy, and Maltby was through. He, yeah. One arm with the keeper, he couldn't miss. Other than that, I thought Olympic were in control of the game. Yeah. I think strikers set up to play on the counter-attack and wait for their chance. It's kind of like the way we talked about the Raw doing away to Melbourne City. Strikers executed it much better than the Raw did, but Olympic did quite well. I wouldn't be worried if I was Olympic. They had a lot of chances in the game. I th- I and think on another day, they probably would have scored three or four. I think these top four sides at the moment, I think they're fairly even at the moment. They're yeah. Already in the season, they're taking wins off each other. But I think after that, it's daylight to the rest of the field. So as to your point, it ended their unbeaten streak this season. But I don't think there should be much to worry about. It's just one of those days. Yeah, I don't think anyone was really expecting them to go through the whole season unbeaten. 
I wasn't. <laughs> if anyone was, they were kidding themselves. Yeah. yeah, well, it's good to see, like, we've got, like, some interesting competition at the top of the table as well, and... Uh, what what you guys were saying uh, was about six weeks ago when Strikers had a couple of games in hand. Once they got those mm. back, yeah. they'd be looking quite good. And well, you were right. Yeah. The thing the thing is that they've still got one game on hand on the rest of them. At the oh, moment, Western Pride's so. got a game in hand as well. So yeah, and Lions. So just a quick. Oh, look they at... do too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's get on to some of the other results. And Western Pride six, Brisbane Raw Youth one. What happened with that? With juggernaut rules on, apparently. Yeah. Um, yeah like, look, um, talk about uh, Brisbane Raw. That's now 16 goals they've conceded against top top four opposition. So we know clearly they're probably not up to that standard. But they're, they're still running fifth, which is yeah. probably, which from memory is probably still their best start since they've joined the MPL. So, look, I don't think it's all lost. I think it's just, it's just a very, very good Western Pride team. Uh, nah, just full frontal offence. So, yeah. So... 16 goals against, you were saying, the top four opponents. So, uh, three of the top four. So they, they conceded six to Olympics, six to Western Pride, four to Strikers, and they play Lions this week. So Yeah, so just a quick look at that. So 16 goals from three games, that means uh, from their other eight, they've only let in 10. So Yeah, which is, which is almost on par. I think three of those were against Redlands as but then, well. But then again... Four, three, so. yeah, yeah, that was a crazy game. Yeah. <laughs> but then again, on, then again, on the other hand, Western Pride are now up to 55 goals in 10 games. So 51, 51, according 51. to this table. Oh, so 45 plus 60, yeah, 51, yeah. sorry. I'm trying to match I'll be at 55 soon enough. This is. I'm sure Harry Kane will claim 55. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah, but either way, it is an ex- extraordinary amount of goals. And um, like, and Dylan Wenzel Hall's 22 goals. Yeah, he only scored two in this game. What was wrong? I think it's such. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was actually. I didn't get to stay around for the game. I had to get home and try and see what Redlands was doing against Magpies <laughs> Crusaders United. But yeah, I did see the start of the game, and as soon as I was leaving, Pride scored. They were in control of the game, but it was interesting to see the squad Brisbane Royal Youth put out. Yeah. They had Coletti back yep. in the youth squad, and I think that in the future could add, going into the future of the season, could add some much-needed depth for the squad. From, from memory, I think it was, it was uh, Coletti, Lech, and Akbari all yeah. still yeah. started, so that, that's three players have got you know, ailing experience. Yeah, and obviously it's trying to get these young guys some mm. game time into their legs, so that they're ready come pre-season. Coletti hasn't played, really, in this calendar year for the Raw, so... No. You might as well get him some games in the NPL. Yeah, because I think... We'll get onto this a little bit later, but he's got to be in for a bigger role next season with the Raw, so... Anyway, uh, yeah. At the bottom of the table, obviously, you've got uh, Magpies Crusaders FC. <laughs> Who? McCormick Sundays, Magpies Crusaders United FC. They've got two games in hand, which... Like, could come in handy, I suppose, when you're looking at the relegation battle as well. Well, one of their games is against Western Pride. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Well, 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 their other game in hand is today, Anzac Day against Cairns. So, that could be a very interesting game. Yeah, well, you get th- if they get three points out of that, then all of a sudden they're up to yeah. ele- 11th spot. So, it, you've got actually a bit of a relegation battle going yeah. on. Uh, look, and, and we've said it pre- previous weeks, and I think they even showed it on Saturday night, that I don't think... Uh, Magpie Crusaders are as bad as what the table suggests. Yeah, I think that's um, what some people forget. They've given it a lot yeah. to teams like yeah. against Lions. They lost in the last yeah. minute to Lions. Yeah. Against Morden Bay, they lost in the last minute. Yeah. I think that's just their only part of their game, and they've seemed to fix that against yeah. Redlands. Well, so well, we have to ask what happened to Redlands, Angela? Let's just as the say media that manager down there. Oh, I got home and I saw 3 0. I'm like, awesome. Redlands are winning 3 0. This is great. 
eating my dinner. It's 3-3. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> and all I have is the yeah. Facebook updates from... Yeah, from their Facebook, and they weren't the best telling me what was going on and why my Redlands were losing. <laughs> but all I can say is that it's probably what Nick and I have discussed over the last few weeks, and that's just our defence. We yeah. haven't got our main defenders on that pitch. We It hasn't been officially announced by the club. I've got to do up the graphic. But I can say that Jake Sherwood has come back to the club in, as an injury replacement for the injured Lloyd Harrington. So who, by the time by the time this episode gets out, you'll be able to have the yeah, graphic out. I'll be able to have the graphic out. <laughs> but Listen. yeah, Lloyd Harrington is um is out for five to six weeks. It looks like I'm not sh- we're not too sure why he was going to get scans and stuff this week to see what was wrong with him. But he's been a massive part of our centre center of defence, and that's where the problems occurred on Saturday night. Well, yeah. that's for thirty one goals conceded, the third most in the league. If they just cut that down. By half a dozen, they'd be. You see, we, we much had this higher. problem like, they, last they're year. Good enough to get we kept the conceding and couldn't score. Now we can score. We just <laughs> got to stop conceding. <laughs> well, one of these days, they'll go hand in hand. Yeah, so we'll what, get there it's eventually. Go, it's going to be tested on Friday night. That's for yeah. sure. Uh, well, Always a good of, match against yes, Pride. Friday, Redlands, Western Pride. Redlands are at home, and I think at some point in the next little while, we're going to have to do the freezing Friday oh, out at Redlands. Oh, <laughs> as Adam just me. winces. Oh, Friday sounds good. Off you go, James. I'm going to go see Super Troopers too. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> anyway, other fixtures this weekend. You've got Southwest Queensland Thunder versus Gold Coast United. Uh, Brisbane Strikers versus North Queensland United. Brisbane City against Mackay, which Sunday's Magpies Crusaders United FC. <laughs> redacted versus Olympic. So you're just speaking of Redacted, they do have a new coach. They do. It's they, the same coach who won the Queensland Premier League with them yeah, a few years, years ago, ago. So hopefully he can at least make them a bit more competitive than they are. And it fixes yeah, the problems the club has. <laughs> and then we can stop calling them redacted when they're written as something else in the run sheet. Exactly. <laughs> I was uh, nice in the speech. They got a draw. <laughs> <laughs> and the raw youth are playing Lions. Uh, that's going to be down at Logan, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so hmm. I think you can probably go out to that one. So Could be good, yeah. And Sunday you've got Cairns versus Moreton Bay. Uh, quick run through FQPL results. Pen Pal 1-1 versus Logan yes. Lightning. That's not going to go down too well up north. Logan are turning out to be Peninsula's bogey team. They mm. they took them all the way last year to a penalty shootout in the FA Cup qualifiers. So, And yeah, in the first points uh, dropped for Pen Pal yeah. this season. Wolves FC 7-0 over Wide Bay. Rochdale 2-0 over Holland Park as they start to get some hiccups. You've got East 8-2 over Ipswich. And Sunshine Coast Wanderers against Calabar. Mitchelton Souths was postponed because I believe it was a bit no, wet. It was on. two all last night played. Oh, they, they well, I haven't it. exactly <laughs> been able to update it this morning, <laughs> early this morning. So, sorry for the Ron Burgundy moment. Mm-hmm. And Southside Eagles were on the bye. And over to the NPL results now. Now, these are all up to date, yeah? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I hope so. Morton Bay 4-1 over the Raw NTC. Logan Lightning 4-2 over Sunshine Coast Wanderers. Lions 4-3 over Gap. Gold Coast United 6-1 over Capalabar. Souths 5-2 over Mitchelton. Wait, we're missing the... Where's the, where's the, the game? <laughs> did I put that in? Oh, oh you didn't, Scott. Angel, Angel what happened? Drew 3-3. <laughs> Thank you, Angel. It was a brilliant game of football. <laughs> you know, I think we're going to have to replace Scott with you then. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you're on run sheet, you. Yeah. <laughs> I was Promotion. Like looking at it, I'm like... Wait, there's a, there's a game that's not here, and I went to that game. <laughs> if it's not on the run sheet, did it really happen? Exactly. <laughs> All right, so quick run through the table there. Souths uh, on top of the table, trailed very closely by Lions. And the gap, Morton Bay Mitch- and Mitchelton are fourth and fifth. 
the Raw are sitting in sixth place there with the game in hand. I think that's yeah. uh, the, the uh, yeah. NPL women's is sort of going the same way as the men's, where I think there's pretty much four, maybe five dominant teams in that, and it's starting Interesting was during the midweek is that we had some wet weather fixtures catch up. Um, the Gap beat Pride 6-0 from memory. I was there. I don't remember. It was a very long day for me. <laughs> there were a lot of scores. There were a lot of scores, yeah. and I have been up until 6am trying to do the Matildas coverage. So, um, But also, Mitchelton drew with Lions FC. 1-1. Uh, yeah, oh, that's... Uh, so-, so Mitchelton are quite yeah. a good side, yeah. and people may have put them out of contention just because of the side that they're and where they've come from, but they, they really can push the top um, four teams going into the rest of the season. You know, I think even um, even Brisbane Raw Women's NTC, I think they can be a decent sort of um, nuisance value as well for that, that top four as well. They're, they're obviously seeing in sixth at the moment, so... Mm. All right, uh, just one last story we should also talk on talk about with the Raw side. W League preseason, there were 3-0 winners over Western Pride. Goals from yes. Sean Fryer. Freya? Freya. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and Imogen Noon. So uh, they've got a game this afternoon at 4pm. So probably after you've listened to... It'll take place before you've listened to this show. Yeah. Uh, against Morton Bay at Walter Park. But if you do happen to listen in about the hour after <laughs> we put this out, get out to Walter Park. Alright, so... Uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break and come back with news and other stuff for yeah. segment four. We'll be back after this. This is a Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And we're back for the final segment of the Brisbane Football Review here on Anzac Day. It's James Scott, Adam and Angela for the Daily Football Show Fan Network. And we're going to get into segment four where... We were initially hoping we'd be previewing a semi-final against Sydney FC, but unfortunately we're going to have to go into the first of our season in review segments. Thanks, Brisbane Raw. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so... Uh, but before we do that, we've got some news stories to touch on, don't we? Do we? Yeah. Do we also have some plugs? Pardon? do we have some plugs normally do this we? time? Well, off you go, then. Go on, oh, Okay, yeah. <laughs> Doing impromptu. Okay, so you can reach us at Brisbane Football Review, such as on Facebook, at Raw Review on Twitter, uh iTunes and Wooshka for the podcast, and email at brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. That's right. Now, we did actually and have an email uh, to the Brisbane Football yes. Review stuff that we'll get to in a little while, but first Before of all... We, do you want to let Angela... Yeah, plug? I was going to say, <laughs> it's customary for the yeah. guest to plug. It's been a very long day. Yeah. morning. I was up we'll for the... We'll just take over hosting this segment. Yeah. Or, or yours. I'm going to go line up for Avengers. Um, you can find the women's game at at the women's game on Twitter, more the women's game on Twitter. If you want to see some more sports that aren't football, maybe that's your fancy. I don't know. Um, on Facebook, you can find us at Oz the Women's Game, and on Instagram, um, at the Women's Game. All but right. please don't email me. <laughs> <laughs> no Snapchat or <laughs> no. I still don't understand Snapchat. No, I don't either. All right, so now we're going to get into the news stories, mm. and we're going to start off with one that I probably shouldn't be so happy about, but looks like the Knicks might be on the way out. You green like a tissue cat. pair of you are talking about. <laughs> yeah. So there was a story from Daniel Gar. Started from Dave Davidovich. Dave Davidovich, okay. Uh, saying that the Phoenix is uh, reportedly starting to sound out buyers for their licence, which, considering there could be as little as 12, month, 12 months left on it, makes a bit of sense. Yeah. 
Yeah, look, that that was Roman Port, but since since that uh, report that came out, I think Sunday night. I know Dave Dubovic was on shootout on Fox Sports. Since then, um, well, 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 Nicks have have pretty much uh, their chairman Rob Morrison's pretty much denied. No, that there's been ship that the, the, the uh, license has been shopped around and whatnot. Wasn't so a very convincing denial though. No, no, exactly. And actually, it was a, actually a very decent uh, interview that uh, Jason Pine did yeah. with Rob Morrison. It's probably worth a listen to. I think yeah, search for on Jason Pine's Twitter. I don't know. It sounds SoundCloud somewhere. Yeah. So I think it seems like yeah. the Knicks pretty much realise they're not going to be in the league at some point soon, and it's trying to get out. It's kind of disappointing, though. Like, it just shows that maybe football in New Zealand has just got nowhere to go. There's no growth in the game. What's going to happen to youth development over there? It's the same problem with the women's team as national women's team, and I don't know what's next for them. You think football heavily invested in having a professional side, but they don't seem to care. Yeah, and it's like, just they, they've said nothing problem. about Wellington Phoenix for the last year. They do have a couple of, like, they do have some passionate fans, but it's clearly not enough to sustain yeah. a team in a and they're, and they're the ones I know, I know we we take a lot of pot shots at um yes you at, do at the Knicks because it's so easy they, yeah but look they're, and they're, but they're the ones that those most passionate fans and there are like a, a handful of them that you know you do feel sorry for because I think they've been let down on multiple fronts they've said you know well Knicks I don't think they've shown the investment or I don't think they really take seriously the whole you know metrics thing that I think at the end of the day look it's one thing to have you know Aside and all that, but like I said, it's got it's like I said, we live in a commercial age where you know what it seems so they're just dragging down the rest of the league. Like, and unfortunately, as much as some people don't seem to get it, football is a business, Mm -hmm. and it's like I said, if no one's watching on television, no one's going to the grounds, what is the point of having them in the league? Where you could, where you've got you know up to ten other you know consortiums that want to actually get into this league, so uh, you can understand why the, the the whole sort of you know thing with the Knicks, you know, even this side, is starting to evaporate as far as the goodwill because it's I think people start to see they're just you know, they're just anchoring the league at the moment. And Seems I think like the blame has to be put onto Football NZ or mm, whatever yeah. the federation is because they've done nothing to help grow the yeah. game in and New Zealand and there's so much more they could have done advertising yep. building it building it as so it's a commercial team but no they just I don't know what's happened there it's almost like people care more on this side of the Tasman than on the New Zealand side and that's a great shame and for me that kind of jumps back to the whole social media activism thing where it's really easy to jump on the save the Knicks hashtag but yeah, that when it actually pain, yeah. yeah when it actually requires any sort of concrete effort a lot of people just go Really? Why? They went to one game after it. What else do you want? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's what I mean. That's you know, not... well, that's the thing is you thought that, you know, because I remember when that really hit its, its zenith and really sort of, they, they got like 12,000 something to the game. But after that, it's like all momentum from that just yeah. fell off a cliff. It's like, oh, we'll prove for one game that, oh, people care. But then it's like, there's no real follow-up to that. In fact, like the whole thing about selling memberships over on this side of Tasman, well, what, what, did, what did that prove? Other than you've got you know a bunch of people that are probably more interested in fighting the FFA than they are than actually saving that that club. Yeah, purely, I think people that are on this side are more yeah concerned with fighting FFA mm. and blaming them for what's happening. But it's got nothing to do with FFA. Exactly. FFA can't help them if they're not going to help themselves. Yeah, and all right, well let's move on to I suppose some sort of practical solution here. Where would you mo- relocate that franchise to? So assume that. The this Phoenix is, license gets bought out. This is the problem because the FFA's expansion process is seemingly one in Sydney and one in Melbourne slash Brisbane. So if one of the Sydney bids does end up buying the Wellington license, are they, does Sydney then miss out on the expansion? Do they go two teams in Sydney again? Who knows? It's very interesting. That's interesting. I yeah. never heard yeah. that side of the thing that it was going to be like that. I automatically, well, I would assume that 
if you're going to grow the league, you would want to grow it the same as W League and have a Canberra United team in somewhere not near Sydney, Melbourne, or FFA, Brisbane. Angela. Yes, this FFA. <laughs> I'm just telling you that they don't think it's smart, the di- no, ideas. Don't go with logical ideas. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are two new markets that automatically just jump yeah. off the bat, Canberra and Hobart. Yeah. I don't and know. maybe Wollongong, maybe. Yeah. They do have a very good talents pool down that way, especially with the MPL sites. Yeah. But I don't think Brisbane could hold another one. I'm sorry, Strikers, City and Gold Coast, but I don't think right now that there's expansion needs in Brisbane. I actually disagree with you on that for the simple fact that I still feel like there's a lot of football fans with an anti-raw sentiment. And, you know, they might not necessarily have ties to an NPL club, but if you give them someone else to follow, they will jump ship. And, that's the, and the, look, I agree. And that's just been sort of been my consistent line is that on why, even though the numbers aren't that promising, look, I agree. I think there is, especially after this season, that there is a, a massive anti-Raw sentiment. So, I'll, I'll, and it's almost like we want, we still want football fans. Whether they like the Raw or not, that's irrelevant. But we want football fans in Brisbane to go to games and support the league. And if that's the, if that's the model... Then so be it. But then again, if the Raw are successful in twelve months' time, that anti-sentiment yeah. decreases. Oh no, there'll still it's, be it's, people that are very no, anti-Raw. Yeah, I think look, you're always going to because I think people have been burnt long enough, or they yes. just got this, they've just got in this head that that the current establishment that they cannot stand. So they'll they'll support anything else, or it's been forever been there. Take for example, you know, strikers, which you know, strikers fans are always going to hate Brisbane Raw, and that's not a that's not a bad thing. But you know, I think if the Raw all of a sudden put together in twelve months' time. That anti that anti sentiment it decreases, and then the value of that second team also decreases. I so. think that's why if you're going to put mm. in the second team in Queensland, you've got to be very strategic about yeah. it and put it in where there is a massive rivalry, which might not be Gold Coast at the moment. That could be in a few years' time once they build that back up again to the M1 derby, yeah. but that could be out in Ipswich. That could be up in North Queensland yeah. where people do have problems with the Roar and the way the Roar yeah. have been towards them in their regional uh, Ipswich areas. is still the area I think should be just... A nice divide day. I think, and as for Gold Coast, I think they might want to focus on being the best team on the coast. Yeah, I think they need to focus they on that. Before they worry about expansion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting. But look, you want you want ambition. But as I've always said, as well, we said previously on this show, that it shouldn't be a case of oh, if you miss out in this round, they just pack up the tent and go home. No. Now, if you're actually serious, have a second division. Work your way the other the, the way other way into the A League. Hopefully, in a few years' time, is you get promoted. So yeah. look, I think I hope that you know all these expansion bids and all that. They'll say, oh, if we don't get in two years' time, that's it. We're There'll we're also be another out. round of expansion as well to get to fourteen. Yeah. I think as well. I anyway, think so. that will be the interesting point mm. to see is what happens after the expansion. Will all these just teams that wanted to expand will disappear? And they yeah. do, do they deserve a license when expansion yeah. comes around next yeah. time? Because they're upset that they didn't get it, that's, or they're going to blame yeah. FFA that they didn't my, get it. That's actually yeah. my fear: is that that you know the teams that miss out. Are they are they that serious that if they don't, if they're looking at the short term and trying to put everything into you know the, the next expansion and if they don't get it they either you know they, they just pack up and, and go. That's also where though if like the people running the expansion at the FFA and A League, <laughs> yeah, there's people running at the. FFA. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they've got their wits about them, mm, yeah, yes, <laughs> that's surely where you're also able to say, all right, we're picking. This is just purely hypothetical. Say they're going the Wollongong bid and Brisbane City. Yeah. They go to everyone else, be it South Melbourne, Canberra, whatever. Say, all right, here's where your bid fell short. We're going to announce another round of expansion in two seasons' time. Fix this up, and we'll bring it back again. Like, make sure that they've still got something to work for. And I think ultimately one of the things coming from a women's football perspective that I want to see is if you want to 
put in for expansion, you have to show that you can have a W League side yeah, one that's day. Actually, that's actually a good point. Yes. That's been, that's been sort of an all that's been sort of forgotten. Yeah. Is that, and I'm pretty sure actually, I think I read that actually is part of the expansion. I hope so. That you'd have to that you'd on, actually yeah. have a W League and a Youth League. And Central Coast Mariners should be forced to get a W League team as well. And they hopefully, well, yeah. they they do. They they just didn't get to go into the league this season, but it looks like they might be on the cards coming into the next season. I, I hopefully think, that's and true. I think that was all because of the kerfuffle over the stadium, over the stadium and yeah. not being able to separate uh, dressing sheds. All right, so I just, I'll just want to... We've yep. done a lot on expansion in the last couple of months. <laughs> we'll still a lot more, I think. Yeah, yeah I just want to, you know, end with uh, one simple question for expansion. If the Phoenix licence is to move, what will be the best road trip for you? Scott? In terms of what... Well, like, if the Phoenix licence was to move somewhere in Australia, what's the road trip you want it to move to? Tasmania. Angela? Or... Just for an Can- away day. Canberra. I actually think Southern Expansion, I because of that... That's not a that. good road trip. No, 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 no. Hear me out, hear me out. Because I, I, I think outside squares. I want, I, I do want the license to go south expansion so we get them out of the way. Because they, they, they act like and they're talking like they're in. So then it then allows a Canberra, a, you know, a Hobart or something to get one of the two other ones. Because I think it's going to be too irrespective of what happens with that. Because you're not going to go, oh, it's 11. It's always going to be 12. So if south expansion somehow buy the license from, from Wellington... Then at least then it gives two clubs, uh, two possible clubs to go. And then, look, just for argument's sake, yeah, look, uh, Canberra. Ailey Beach. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about Questacon? <laughs> that would be my next choice. <laughs> All right, we've got a couple of uh, player contract stories that have broken in the last 24 hours, I think, that we should probably touch on. And we'll start off with the marquee, Massimo Macarone, announced that he's departing the Brisbane Raw. Yes, he's gone. Yeah. Well, the club announced it last night he's leaving... I think he's done okay, actually, when you think about it. He's the only player who's played every game this year, which when he arrives, if you would have said that, no one would have believed you. So I, I, was trying to well. s- I was trying to sum it up the way well, I would for faded, a Twitter but... post. And it was quite simply, he wasn't as bad as what everyone you know, claimed he was and wasn't as good as what we would have hoped. Yeah, I think the ultimate letdown for a lot of people was we brought in a striker who didn't have the... What, what, didn't do what a striker wanted to do and what we wanted yeah. him to do out of Brisbane yeah. Raw. We wanted someone who could replace Jamie McLaren, pre- replace Brandon Borello, but that just wasn't the case. Yeah, it wasn't what we were hoping for, but... There's it was been, better than what we were going to yeah. get. There's been worse strikers at the Royal. Yeah, <laughs> worse. <laughs> Absolutely, but I... Yeah, you know, best of luck to Macaroni in the future. We would have... I, I, for a while there, there was a bit of a concern that he was going to come back, but I think we've seen what his limitations were in the A-League, where... He didn't quite have that ability of a... I know it's a very high bar to hold him to, but that Bessart Barisha where if he wasn't getting his service, he w- would be able to drop back, get the ball and go, all right, I'm going to go bang, 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 he and at least get a shot off. He also in the last third of the season quite badly. I thought you were going to say in the last third of games. Well, that too, but particularly noticeably in the back end of the season. Yes. All right. Uh, one player that is sticking around, though, Connor O'Toole. He's uh, re-signed for a further three years, and... I think that means that another left-back might be uh, on the way out. <laughs> Look, I think uh, the Corey Brown story aside, and that's a separate issue, but I think, yeah, no, this is uh, definitely a reward uh, for a very, very good season for Conor O'Toole. I think you know, he he's, you know, a player that could go on to sort of to, to bigger, better things, you know. Three years, and then he'll be down at one of the Melbourne clubs. I think it's also great that he's come, I'm pretty sure he's come through the Raw NT, Raw program, the yeah, Raw yeah. Youth program. It's yeah. great to see yeah. that there's finally rewards for those players who are coming through and that there's yeah. more coming through each and every year. Yeah, absolutely. And 
I think it was fair to say they probably weren't going to be able to keep all of these players that were coming off contract, so they would have had to have made the decision. And in this, yeah, I think Conor O'Toole's forced the issue at left back as well. There's no way you could have kept both Conor O'Toole and Corey Brown happy next year. Yeah. Now, playing time. in the immediate aftermath of the Melbourne victory game... Melbourne uh, City. City, sorry. I can't talk in this segment. <laughs> Never mind me. Um, yeah, the story came out on 4-4-2 after the game. Brisbane Royal left-back Corey Brown has hinted there's a good chance he'll be in Melbourne victory colours next season. And you know what? He looked better in orange. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look. At least he'll be joining his mate James Donaghy down there. Yeah. Well, <laughs> leaving his good mate Jack and get up here. <laughs> Poor Jack. We know he's more important. <laughs> so there's a... Yeah, so the quotes in the story here. There's a good chance Brown answered when quizzed on joining the victory. I'll let them shed light on it. I can't really announce it. <laughs> Corey, what Gee, are you doing, victory, mate? Victory, <laughs> announce Brown. <laughs> yeah. I think the only thing missing is going to end on Saturday, so give it give it a week. Yeah, yeah. No, and look, that's and that's actually probably what the holdup is: is that Victory Edge is still in, in, the, in yeah. Which, so. considering the way again the Barisha signing unfolded, I actually am kind of okay with them saying no, we're not going to announce it just yet. We're going to let it happen. So uh, we've called for it, and the A League are going to have international breaks next year. Finally, what about W League? They, they... <laughs> That hasn't been announced yet, has it? Though? I don't think it has. <laughs> you were just sure they're going to, I'm but... I'm holding out hope, but I don't have much hope. So there's no international break for the Asian Cup in January, however. That's, so... a, that's a strange one. Why? And that's, and... I think I know why. I've got two good yeah. reasons why. Yeah. One, it's not in Australia. And two, there may not be that many A-League players going no, to... No, no, I, I, actually, I actually have a posture third opinion. So I'm actually... This is FIFA's call, really. Like, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm actually surprised why um, the... Like, I guess the AFC's, you know, continental, you know, national teams tournament. Why it's not a FIFA protected date? A bit like, like Af- African Cup of Nations is, is is protected. So yeah, but I, all the other leagues go on when African Cup of Nations is on, though. Well, yeah, I think but like, you can't you can't blame FIFA for yeah. not. No, that's if if FIFA have a mandate as a protected um, period, then. Really, you can't call it an international break. And we also have the problem that we also have to share our stadiums with other sporting codes. And if we extend the league, then we're just going to eat into that and just cause more problems. Yeah. And speaking of extending the league, so the 2019 A-League Grand Final will be held on the weekend of the 18th and 19th of May. So two weeks later, rather than uh, what it is at the moment, which is the first weekend in May. So, it's going to be interesting to see. We're going to have everyone complaining that the pitch looks crap, but that's okay. Uh, look, they'll complain. <laughs> does it look bad? They'll complain that the kickoff's half an hour too late, or that it should be on a different day of the week because they've got a family barbecue or something. Scheduling is impossible. You to wait get till someone starts whinging about a uh, Saturday night A League Grand Final. Well, that's going to happen this weekend. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> two weeks. Um, it won't take long. Yeah, so I think we're all pretty happy about that. So mm. yeah, all right. Now we want to get through a bit of a season debrief, just looking at some of the numbers. But before that, I'm going to give a question without notice. Uh-oh. Adam, hmm. if you could sum up the Raw season in a sentence, what would it be? It's not as bad as some of the fans made out to be. Angela? <laughs> <laughs> I will just put giggles in there. <laughs> um, it could have been worse. Yeah. Scott? Injuries ruined the season. I'm, I'm going to actually bring it down to one word and say disappointing. I feel like based on the expectations I had at the start of the season, which... You had I'll, expectations? I did. I expected them to finish yeah. second. 
Exactly. He's like a few seconds. Oh, after the Melbourne victory game, all expectations out went out the window. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm going well, to... I honestly thought that, realistically, Aloisi, in his history, has had 50% of his signings hit and, you know, hit and 50% miss. We've seen, like, Christensen and Corona come through and really put their stamp on the team. And I honestly figured that between Macarone, Ben Calfula, and a couple of the other players, we would get that sort of approach. Unfortunately, it didn't unfold because, as you said, Scott, injuries ruined the start of the season. Now, there was a big sort of... I was really happy with that bounce back, 19 points in the final 10 games, but... It's too late. Yeah. To your point, making the six, that's not... It's Okay, it's great you made it, but that's not really what Brisbane Rules is supposed to be about. And I'm yeah. glad that everyone, including the club, has said that this week. And you also have acceptable. to have the fact that how did we make this six with the season that we did have? If we had a disappointing season, that's that, it's true. But we made the six still. But does that show the quality of the rest of the league that we can still make the six despite not playing the best football we can possibly play? Yeah, well, but as well as we pointed out last week, you know, it's it's a broken final system that I'm very happy to take advantage of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but look at at the end of the day, like I just think you know, their expectations. Like I like I said, and I'm, we may replay it in the coming weeks over the review. But look, I thought you now they're all going to finish fifth because I didn't I didn't oh, think the go. side <laughs> was you know. I didn't think they could win the title. I think I think you know making the finals was probably going to be about as far as you can get. You're right. Injuries did um, did sort of you know cause a lot of disruption early. Stuff, other stuff like stuff, peripheral stuff like facilities. You know, lack of you know you know of, I guess a medical unit. You know, rehab sports rehab high performance. Um, the the move to Logan. I think all those played in a factor. I think I think it wasn't as bad as some of the fans were sort of calling. Like I said, some people did said certain that this side was going to finish bottom. Scott. We are not playing that audio from the season preview. <laughs> He's got enough oh, right this season to got credit for. Oh. Not, no more. I honestly wanted to... Well, I am said this in the immediate aftermath on Friday night to Scott and Adam, where it honestly feels almost like this year was a bit of a... almost a bridge year. Yeah, I think that's yeah. what a lot of people haven't figured out yet, and it might take them another six months to figure that out, that... We lost a massive. We lost big players yes. to overseas contract, and you can't just rebuild that overnight and expect to win I everything. You, I think it's a key word, Angela, that you point out is rebuild. Yeah. And I just don't think this fan base are ready to accept you know a year where the club is going to rebuild to the point where you know look we may miss the eight. I may miss the eight, so I'm thinking rugby. I'm going to miss the eight. That'd be <laughs> really miss, bad. Miss, sorry, miss out, miss out the finals. And that's the thing is, is that and this is, and I think this is why we had this side. This. this you know, for, yeah. for lack of a better term, this quote of Dad's Army was because of the expectations of the fans. That, they, it, it, that you know, if we didn't make the finals, it was supposed to be a total disaster. Alawisi gets sacked, probably you know, you know, raise the club basically. So wait, didn't the same thing happen when Ange Postecoglou came in? Didn't we miss finals or something? That like was before a lot of fans even yeah. knew existence. Yeah, so. that was yeah. <laughs> but and I that, think the same thing happened. That yeah. Ange Postecoglou came in. No one really knew anything about him, so I'm guessing he didn't have expectations yeah. on him. He changed the club completely around yeah. the next season after rebuilding and getting rid of a few players who had issues with him. And I think that's what we have to with expect. The and and Jack calls along the way. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And after that 5-0 loss to um, Gold Coast United when they had that trip down there. Oh, Stop talking about that day. <laughs> so I, think, I think that was a real turning the point, though. Infamy, that one. Just uh, one thing you also mentioned there, players that uh, left for overseas contract. We obviously want Brandon Borello to uh, heal up quickly as he's yes. damaged ligaments yeah. in his knee. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's so Big shame because he he may have been in the um in the World Cup you know squad calculations so yeah been in the preliminary squad at least you'd think yeah but 
back to the Raw, yeah, you're absolutely right. There was a lot of calls. I remember uh, frustration when Postacoglu let Craig Moore go. There was a lot of, yeah. I can't believe he's doing this to our club. Now, yep. And then we know why. Yeah. <laughs> and the, But the one point I would kind of say is, look, it seems like Aloisi's done enough to justify keeping his job. Okay, that's great. He's earned a second chance of fixing it next year. So yes. That's where you can no, I, think, I, think that's, I think he's got till Christmas to yeah. turn it around as far as, you know, but yeah, the, I guess otherwise, yeah. But the one thing I want to... I think yeah. that was when this decision was made. Remember when there was a lot of Aloisio stuff? Just the Perth Chris, game the on... The Perth game at home. Yeah. It was when it really kicked off. And they made the decision then, no, we're sticking with him. Well, there was that public statement of support. Yeah. But the thing I, want, I would say is, like, this is also where you hope that... Aloisi, he's in his second stint as an A-League head coach, correct? Mm-hmm. He's been... So he's had, what, five years on the job. You hope that he's still learning and developing and that he's sat down over the last three or so days and gone, all right, well, I got this right, I stuffed this up, I stuffed this up. Like, I've made mistakes X, Y, and Z. I know not to do this again. I think I think that's what the, I think what the fans, even the ones that are publicly calling for him out, you know, like we, and we saw it at, at the pick and whistle on Friday night when the game was going down, it was the whole, oh, Al, we see out, sack him, sack him. started before the game. What are you talking oh, about? Oh, look, the, 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 when, when, it started we went when he was down. hired. But... Look, I think that's the one thing is that I think what the fans most of all can't stand is excuse after excuse after excuse. And look, he's had excuses. But I think at a point he has to say, you know what, as James just so put, was that, you know what, he did this right, but he did this wrong. You know, and, that, and that's what, I think that's what the fans, they wanted to actually take some responsibility and actually say that he's taking responsibility. In fairness, he did that Friday. I didn't hear any excuses from him. Yeah, yeah. but he could have made yeah. all sorts of excuses if he wanted it. Yeah, so and then that, then that might be a good sign, a step forward in the in the right direction. And that's at least to quell the sort of, I guess, the, the small minority sort of, you know, you know that that's wanting him sacked. I think and, that's, yeah, and I just feel like going forward, he's lost that margin for error now. Mm. Like he yeah. had built up some goodwill with two third place finishes, but now it's on him to, I suppose, show why, show going forward why he needs to be in the job, and that would start with whenever their FFA Cup campaign starts. Yeah, I was going to say, FFA Cup, I think it's going to be so important to sort of as far as momentum and you know, and maybe even his job security. Because another embarrassing round of 32 exit, and I think it will start off pretty Particularly if it happens at the hands of an NPL club. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Listen to an A-League club in round 32 is one thing. An NPL club would be a whole other. Yeah, if they happen to draw Sydney FC in the first round and get blasted by Ninkovic and Babo and whatnot, then that's a different story. But... I mean, you'll still be frustrated. Yeah. All right, so a couple of um, general stats just to close out the episode. 28 players used, same as last season. So that's actually yes. something that was a bit... Yes, so you would have thought it'd be more, wouldn't you? Yeah, but then also... A fair few around the... A few young players got a chance too, which is good. But you also remember last year, there was the ACL rotation yeah. as mm. well. So that would have given a few players one or two yeah. games, whereas here it was basically out of necessity. Uh, Macaroni was a top goal scorer with 10 in all competitions. Yep. And... Uh, 12 different players scored a goal. What jumps Don't ask me to name them. No. <laughs> All up, 35 points and 33 goals. That was the lowest tally since 2012-13, which yeah. I believe was the Rado Vidicic slash Mulvey out year. Yeah. Uh, Just to sum it up, the equal fewest points at home yep. in the expansion era of the league. That's where the Eight. problems were this year. Yeah. That's, just, that's the problem. Was it two wins and two draws? Uh, I think it was... Hang on. No, 14 points at home. 14. Yeah. Hmm. They got a couple of wins late on. Yeah, that's right. Pick they did. it up, but that's that's where the problems have been this year at home. Yes. Which, which Not is enough. It's a complete reversal of uh, two years ago where, where, yeah. where it was Fortress Suncorp but couldn't, couldn't light a match you know, on the road. So, To me, 
to me, the big thing, though, like, at home and all up, goals. Yeah. It, they did not have enough uh, goal scorers this year. Whereas last year, that was an issue as well, where you had Jamie McLaren scoring 20, but be it through injury or just general frustration... That's a big difference. But, I mean, your top goal scorer's got 20 compared yeah, to 10 this year. It's quite but a that's, difference. Well, that's kind of what I was going to get to, was... You had McLaren scoring 20, but nobody else really afterwards. I think the next best was Holman with four, and he only played half a season. Whereas with the with this year, it was Macaroni at 10, but, but not... And, that, and, then, and, we, and we said that in the season previews, that, look, we could, like, we could accept Macaroni, even on marquee status, scoring 10 goals, but someone else had to score goals as well, and that mm. just never happened. So this is why we're left with such a low you know, goal-scoring total for the season. And we can't just rely on one person to score goals. It's not what a forward does. As a forward, you got to you got to work together to be able to score all those goals. And I don't know if if it's just something that they just didn't focus on in training, or if it's just up to the individual player that they just didn't score goals. Yeah, and from, and you can't train someone to score goals. Yeah, yeah. good teams get good teams get goals from everywhere. And yeah. the way that they were set up for most of the season with that one striker and three. I suppose, attacking mids behind them, you need those three attacking mids to be pitching yeah. in with five to ten goals as well, at least. Mm. So, that's just it for me. Um, <laughs> appearance milestones. Matt Mackay made his 250th appearance for Brisbane Raw yep. away to Adelaide in round 13 <laughs> and got a red card in that game. Yes. What a way to remember it. Exactly. Yeah, when's his 300th Raw appearance going to be? <laughs> yeah. uh, Jack Hingott made his 100th... 150th appearance for the Raw away to Melbourne victory in round 20, which was a 2-1 win. And Corey Brown made his 100th appearance in Brisbane away to City in the finals, which was a loss, but based going on... going away present, really. Yeah, and it was... Uh, I'm sure he would have loved to do some uh, property searches that day as well. Royals <laughs> <laughs> a one-way ticket. <laughs> so we had nine debutants this season. Scopettis, Macarone, Oxborough, Ben Calfala, Akbari, Bortiak, Gramero, Sawyer, and Daniel Leck. Lex's one of those players that I hoping gets involved again next season because he's shown a little bit. It'll depend on who they bring in. I think I think he'll probably start off as a depth player, but yep. if injuries strike again, he might get another chance. Yeah. I still I still think he's probably a year or two away from being the the, the finished article where he you know, mm-hmm. you know make you know a league you know, regular a league appearances. But look, he's a player plenty of promise. He's still got a few, yeah, like you said, he's still got one or two seasons in him. He's only, what, 18, 19 years old? He's still quite young, and I don't think at that age he, he can be thrusted into the squad like everyone, a lot yeah. of Raw thing, raw fans think he can. And, he and, needs to be able to build and that. And ditto Ramak Bari as well. I think yeah. he's also one that's that's worth following, but don't expect immediate results from Don't him. expect him to be the Johnny Warren medalist next yeah. year. Yeah. Oh, and why not? If, I would love for Nathan Yoon to be brought into with him and Akbari if they can... Yeah. Get some pairings together if there's raw players out. That'd be really good. We've spoken about Nathan Newton on the show before, and he's an interesting one because if he can turn his his goal scoring form and whatnot from um, from MPL into say youth league and up to up to sort of seniors, then he'd be a decent player. Yeah, yeah, there's a question whether he actually can score goals at that next level. And I think that's a question for all NPL Mm. players as well that want to come into the competition. We've had that... I've had that argument with lots of people (laughs) on a lot of things about Brisbane Raw. That's why I don't go into comment sections. (laughs) (laughs) And it's that thing is, you can score an NPL, but can you score an A-League? There's two different things. And that's going to be the question that um, that will surround the Golden Boot elect is whether he can whether he can score for fun NPL, but if he gets a chance at senior level, you know, whether he can convert that. That's yeah. going to be the question. All right. Um, 21 different players were injured. 188 total games missed Shit. based on the... Yeah. yeah okay, there we That's go. Based... That was the first thing on the show. <laughs> Sorry. 
188 total games missed by this player. That's that really just tells a tale of what went wrong. That is based season. on the numbers of all released, which some people don't necessarily fully believe, but. Why wouldn't they believe it? They would know. It's our club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... They did say players were out for two weeks for a long time. It turned out to be three months. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, and that's be, what it adds up to. It will be remiss to uh, not mention the Premiership winning W League side as well. Have most points at home since season one with four wins and two losses. Yep. They were unbeaten away from home. Five wins and a draw. And only three goals allowed as well. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Five debutants, Carson Pickett, Celeste Berrier, Waikie Chung, Holly Palmer, and Lucinda Pillar. And they all came in the same game, too. All that. All came in the first game yeah. of the season. <laughs> <laughs> and Tamika Butt becomes the second player to play 100 W League games for Brisbane Raw. So, I forget, good for I forget which game it was. Yeah. The 100 games for Brisbane Raw. The Melbourne Raw. City home game? It was a home game. I'm pretty sure it was against Melbourne City. She still has. She still sits on 48 W League goals. I've had this graphic sitting in there for 50 W League goals since the start of the season. She'll get and there. She'll get there. Oh, Come yeah, on to me, Carl. I jinxed it when I made the graphic. Yeah. I think we we cap in W League Brisbane Rules W League. See, like that's like congratulations to Melandretta and the whole team. Look, they, the the way they they turned it around from last season. Some great signings. Some you know good young players coming up. Look, this this is a side that I think you. Can Get, you know, can get better. So I think I think the success may not end uh, this season. Just needs a goal scorer up front. Yeah, just uh, needs a goal scorer. And hopefully retain Carson Pick and Celeste Beret. Yeah. Yep. All right, that's going to be for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Angela, for coming on. Thank you. I won't swear next time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, it was going to happen eventually. I've come very close myself. So, Scott, Adam, thank you. Yeah, See you again, James. Adam, Angela. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone enjoy the uh, A-League finals if you can this weekend. Get out to the local NPL games as well because there are some fantastic fixtures on offer. We'll be back next Wednesday to, well, continue our season in review, I suppose. Uh, enjoy the football this weekend. We'll talk to you then.